What is going on, all y'all beautiful folks? I hope you're having a great day today whenever you're listening to this. I hope, you know, maybe you're having a great morning. You're out on your morning run, or maybe uh, you're on your way home from work, or maybe you're at work right now, and this is helping you get through the day. Uh, Wherever you're at, I hope your day is great. I hope all your dreams are coming true, and I hope you got a big old smile on your face, at least for a little while, or maybe just while I'm talking to you now. But uh, I hope you're all having a great day. A couple of quick announcements before we get into the episode. Number one, huge thanks, as always, to Miss Carrie Hood over at Just a Fan Photography. Uh, she's a wonderful sponsor of The Mockingbird. She is a wonderful human being who is actually going to be a guest on an upcoming episode, so be looking out for that. Um, she's been to uh, all my songwriters' things that happened over this last week, and she's taken some fantastic pictures. Y'all probably already seen a few of them. So, Carrie, as always, thank you. And if you need your photos done, just swing on over just to Fan Photography on Facebook. Just type it in the search bar. I promise you'll find her. Um, secondly, now uh, we had our very first live or the Mockingbird Live from the Hog and Ale uh, last Sunday. Now, the reason that has not come out on the face space and the YouTubes and the podcast places of the world is because my computer crashed halfway through it. And as of yet, I haven't got it back on to be able to uh, mess with what footage I did get. I got about an hour and 20 minutes or so with Miss Leanne Hutchinson, who was fantastic. We had a great crowd. Um, so as soon as uh, I can get into that, I will post all that for y'all. Now, I was luckily enough to be a luckily. Yeah, there we go. I mean, y'all, y'all don't know how many times I've recorded this intro because for some reason I'm just tongue-tied today. But um, luckily, I was able to pick up another laptop, and we are smooth sailing for all our next ones to come. Um, so this Friday... Uh, as you're listening to this, when it comes out on Monday, um, Stephen Krausen's episode should be up on here on the podcast form and also up on YouTube, barring another technical difficulty, which I think we're past that now. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, man, do we ever have an episode for y'all today? Uh, my buddy Tim stopped by and he told his story. And uh, growing up in the Baptist church, we'd call it a testimonial. Um, it's it's a fascinating story. It's um, uh, an eye-opening story. Um, it's a public service announcement. Uh, it's it's a bunch of things wrapped into one. And it's so many things that it's going to be a two-part podcast. I wouldn't really call that a series because it's just going to be two. But you're going to have roughly an hour today, and we're going to... Um, we're going to put out the thesis statement of what this story is. And then next Monday, we're going to finish it up with a two-hour episode. Um, and that way, give you a little bit of time to digest it. And I like having a little uh, cliffhanger at the end. I've been going back and forth in my head whether or not to release it all at once. And I'm sure y'all would listen to it at your uh, leisure either way. But uh, this is how I decided to do it. And um, I think... I. I'm sorry for how many times I said wow in this episode. Um, It's probably 50 to 60 um, times, and uh, I do apologize for that, but there were times during this episode that's that's all I knew what to say. I I, 
sometimes you can empathize. You know, we can all have empathy for situations, but unless you're in that situation, you 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 can't say anything except for wow. And uh, you feel something inside and you want to say comforting things or you want to say I understand, but there there are times when someone tells you a story and it's not a story, it's not made up. This is real life. Uh, this is a true story. I know I say that a bunch when I'm on stage, but this is a true, honest to God story. And um, sometimes I say, wow, because there's nothing else to say. Like I said, you could empathize and you can say, I understand, but you don't. You don't. Unless you've been in a person's shoes in, for a wide array of things they've been through. Unless you've been in, through those exact same things yourself then you uh, you absolutely cannot relate. And so that's why a bunch of times I just said, wow. So, um, yeah, that's it. Uh, make sure, you know, if you have any questions, if you, you know, just reach out to me uh, on the Facebook group page. I noticed I got a bunch of people from uh, all over the world listening now. And from a boy from Alabama, that sure does warm my heart. And... Uh, so did this episode. Um, it makes you think and it makes you very appreciative for everything and everyone around you. And so I'm not, I'm not going to ramble on too much. So uh, without further ado, y'all welcome my good friend Tim. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Mockingbird. I'm here with my friend Tim. We're just going to go with Tim today. Does that work for you? Works for me. All What's right. going on, everybody? So uh, this is going to be an interesting podcast. And, um, Tim has a fascinating story, and since it's music festival season, and a lot of y'all are music lovers, and a lot of y'all are uh, concert goers, I think this will serve as a, a fascinating tale and a public service announcement. I think that's a good way to kick it off. So, Tim, you're a huge music lover, right? Absolutely. I've been to over 400 concerts in my life. So, yeah, Four, I mean, yeah. there's nothing I would rather do than go to see a live right. band. Yeah. Yeah, me, I'm the same. Uh, live band or play. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of people that have listened to this, you know, that it, I've had a lot of musicians on here. Um, and you, I guess, what do you play at all? I don't play. No, nothing at all. I never have. No, nope. really. Just nope. love music. Just love music. And a lot of this goes back to like pretty much when I met Chip Jones, yeah. which who I know has been on this podcast right. before. Yeah. Him and I have been really good friends for over twenty years, right. and I just ever since he got into this, you know, just following him around right. and whether or not it's going to see him at a bar with five other people there, or yeah. it's going to see him with a thousand people in the audience, right? It just, it really got me into a, like a really good love of music. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've been seeing concerts since the mid '80s, right? But ever since I met Chip, it kind of took it to a took whole it, new yeah. level. He kind of has that effect on people. Yes, he does. He does, definitely does. Uh, how did how did y'all meet? Because where are you? Are you from Boston originally? I'm from Boston originally. Okay. Yep. So um, how did y'all meet? I've, I, that, that's a question I've been meaning to ask you because he's from New York, right? He is yeah. from New York. Yeah. Yep. 
So it was back in what, 96, I was working for a company, a restaurant chain up in Boston called Bertucci's. Okay. It was an Italian restaurant chain. I was a corporate trainer. Okay. And they were opening up six locations here in Atlanta. Uh, And it was right during the Olympics. Okay. So they asked me if I'd be willing to come down and help out during the Olympics. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Who wouldn't want to go and work during the Olympics? So I took the drive down here, and I helped them open up the six restaurants that were here. Okay. I actually did the one that was right downtown, and we were, what, two blocks from Centennial Park when the bomb went off. Wow. So the restaurant actually shook from the bomb going off during the Olympics. So long story short, I wound up staying down here. They offered me to stay down here as the regional kitchen manager if I wanted to stay in Atlanta. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, at that time, I'm not married, no kids. Yeah. Yeah, I'll stay in Atlanta. So I was working at the Bertucci's in East Cobb. Okay. Chip happened to be a server. At the Bertucci's. Well, yeah, that's when he, t- when he and I talked. I didn't realize he had worked in the, the whole. The, mm-hmm. And then, he, like he said, then I realized the guys playing the music were making a little bit more money than I am busting tables or whatever. Yep. So, okay, I mean, so instantly. That's how y'all met. Yeah, like day one. I've always wondered that. Day one of me and Chip meeting, we just hit it off. Oh, uh, yeah, he's that kind of guy. He really is. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, if you don't like Chip Jones, I'm not sure I could be your friend. Yeah. I mean, that's just Chip. I mean, Absolutely. I've never heard anybody say something bad about Chip Jones. I would not trust him if they did. And if I ever meet someone that they say, well, I know Chip Jones, right then and there, I yeah. know that they're okay. Yeah, yeah. We're buddies. Yep, you know? absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got, love, I got a pedal of his. Uh, matter of fact, he's going to take that amp right there on oh, nice. his and uh, his lady's walkabout. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to take his PA and he's going to take that in case he wants to play some shows. Along the way. You know he's going to yeah, want to. Of course he is. Well, not to mention maybe just to make some extra cash. Absolutely. they're going to be gone for a couple of months, I think. Yes, they are. Good for them, though. Mm-hmm. I'm glad those two found each other. Every time I see them together, they seem so happy. Yeah, they're I fantastic. Like yeah, yeah, that makes me happy. They're a cute couple. Yeah, they are. <laughs> nice job, Chip. <laughs> you outkicked your coverage on this one, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so you have a very interesting story. And I, honestly, it's hard to say where to even jump off but i mean i guess basically your story started at a at a chip jones show right kind of yeah kind of i mean i guess i can go back a few weeks before that um i i lived in atlanta from 96 until 2006 okay i then had the opportunity to move out to colorado oh okay i'm like well who wouldn't want to go to colorado yeah so i jumped on the opportunity to move out to colorado so i was living out there for six years okay and a woman that I worked with here in Atlanta found me on Facebook, and we just started talking to each other okay. you know, back and forth through Facebook. Okay. And she's like, well, you know what? I think I'd like to come out and visit you in Colorado. Okay. Okay. Come on out. Visit. Yeah. So she came out for a week, and we hung out, had a great time. And then she came back to Atlanta, and then maybe about a month later, she's like, guess what? I'm like, what? She's like, I'm moving to Denver is it okay if I stay at your place for a little while until I get my own place? Which, at that point in time, kind of threw up a red flag. It's uh, like, well, yeah. 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 But the kind of person that I am, I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll help you out. Well, one thing led to another, and we wound up staying together, and we started dating, and we actually got engaged. Okay. So that got us, that was what, in like 2011. So 2013, 
I was working for a company called Gordon Beers. There's one. There used to be one in Midtown. There's one in Buckhead. Okay. It's a restaurant chain. All right. Um, I was one of the managers. I wound up losing my job for one reason or another. I it really doesn't matter. It all ha- it's happened to all of us. It's happened to all of us. Yeah. So I worked my last day at Gordon Beers. I went home. My fiance was gone. All of her stuff was still in my apartment, but she was gone. Really. I literally, to this day, and this is six years later, have not spoken to her since that last time, that night before I went to work for my last day. Like, not even, do you even know where she went? Nothing. No clue. I mean, we're talking vanished. Vanished. Off the face of the earth, but left all of her stuff in the apartment. Really? She took her two dogs and herself and just disappeared. Well, obviously, between losing my job and she disappearing... That kind of messed me up. Oh, uh, yeah. It would anybody. Which I think it would anybody. Yeah, right. it would be anybody. So at that point, I'm like, you know what? I didn't know many people out in Denver. I knew some people. I have two of my really close friends who live out in Denver. Yeah. And that was tough leaving them. But I was not in a good place. Yeah. So I was toying between going back to Massachusetts, being around my family. Sure. Or moving back down here to Atlanta, where all of my really good friends are. Yeah. Well, I've built up such good relationships with my friends that, to me, that was a no-brainer. Right. I needed to be around my friends. Yeah. So I decided to move back here to Atlanta. Okay. And that was in May of 2013. Okay. So I was literally here for three weeks, and I found out that Chip was playing with his band out at the Keegans in Kennesaw. Okay. Yeah. Where he still plays. Where he still plays. And I'm like, absolutely. You know, this is this is why I came back right. to Atlanta. This yeah. this is the scene that I need. Yeah. So I decided to go out there and see Chip and his band play. Okay. Went out, had a phenomenal time. It yeah. was fantastic. I saw people that I haven't seen in a long time. Right. It really made me. Which feel, I'm sure you needed after what you had just like. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it it made me feel like, okay, I was able to start taking that turn into the next chapter of my right. life. I was able to start putting that behind me yeah. and take that turn. So I went out and saw Chip play. Was there for a while. You know, yeah. I was, think it was probably 1 o'clock in the morning when I left. Right. And the next thing I remember was waking up in the hospital two weeks later. Two weeks. Two weeks later. So, yeah, and that's kind of where the beginning of the story is. Um, now, this takes a little bit of explanation as well. Okay. Now, I never drank that much. And right. you ask anybody that knows me just understands the fact that yeah. I have never been a it's big drinker. It's not your thing. It's not my thing. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to have a couple of drinks every now and then. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, when you're drinking at 5,200 feet in Denver, you can... It affects you differently than it does here in oh, Atlanta. Oh, absolutely. So when I make the move from Colorado to Atlanta, I can drink a lot more and not feel it when I'm here. Right. So I had a few drinks. I can't tell anybody exactly how many drinks I had that night. Right. But I thought it was okay to drive. Yeah. Every one of my friends that were there that night have told me that they would have gotten in the car with me. Right. And driven home. Now, this is where it kind of gets a little interesting, is that, yes, alcohol was part of it because it was in my system. I'm not going to lie to anybody and sit there and say, no, I was not drinking and driving because I was. The problem was, is that the road that I was on, it was on Barrett Parkway in Kennesaw. Mm -hmm. 
And that leads to Cobb Parkway. Yep. And I was trying to take the turn onto Cobb Parkway. Well, there was a whole bunch of construction, and they had a whole bunch of barrels. So the northbound, the southbound lane on Cobb Parkway was closed. So they split the northbound lane into two lanes. So basically, the northbound lane was now going north and south. Gotcha. I accidentally turned the wrong way through those barrels, and I was driving southbound in the northbound lane. Oh, no. I made it maybe a mile away from Keegan's and got involved in a head-on crash with somebody else. Oh, man. And this was a bad crash. You've seen the picture. I've seen the picture. All of my friends have seen the picture. Yeah. When the police, when I talked to the police a couple of months later, they literally told me that they had over 3,000 pages of notes and photos from the accident because they thought there was absolutely going to be a fatality. That's how bad the accident was. Wow. My car rolled over. Thank God my seatbelt broke and my seat back broke, so it had me laying down. If that didn't happen, I wouldn't have survived. Really? So, and everyone hears those commercials, they lived, like the Subaru commercials. Well, I had a Subaru. There you go. And this absolutely would be perfect for their they lived ad, ad campaign. Right. It would be perfect. Yeah. So... Yeah, got in a head-on crash. Oh, wow. Two weeks later, I'm in the hospital. And they had me on so many drugs. Literally, I was on 17 different kinds of drugs. So I really, at that point, had no idea where I was. What was going on. What was going on. Why I was there. Right. I don't remember the first time that I actually woke up and, like, realized, okay, why I'm in a hospital. Yeah. That never hit me. I, I, I don't know why it never hit me, but I never even once asked the question to anybody, why am I in the well, hospital? Well, number one, I mean, I'm sure you, your noggin got rattled. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. And then on top of that, just, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't ask, but, I mean, I'm, su- I'm assuming it's just overwhelming. And I think and it's all the drugs that they have. I was going to say, you're on. loaded up on pain stuff and probably antibiotics to watch for infections oh yeah you know and i was having hallucinations left and right so i think in my honest opinion i didn't know what was real and what was a hallucination wow it was that bad i mean there was even one point that i called up my friend brian and i said hey brian my ex-girlfriend is here she turned black he's like what are (laughs) you talking about she turned black like she like all of a sudden likes like likes different things that she didn't like before. And I'm like, no, like she used to be white, but now she's black. Those are the kind of hallucinations that I had when I was in the hospital. And all of my friends just to this day wish that they videotaped all the times that they came down to visit me in the hospital because they say it was the most hysterical thing they've ever seen. Oh, well, Leanne keeps threatening to, uh, when I do get my wisdom teeth out, she keeps threatening to uh, video me on the way home. Oh, yeah. I was like, there's no telling what I'm, I said, my brain's twisted as it is when I'm not on pain medicine. There ain't no telling that what it'll be. That oh, day. yeah. Yeah. So I can imagine. I'm kind of glad they didn't video mm-hmm. you, though. You probably don't want to know that. But it's funny because even to this day, six years later, I remember all of my hallucinations. Really? I remember Every one of them. The brain's a weird thing. It really is. Well, it's like, you know, this is kind of a sidetrack, which I'm known to do on this, but uh, my dad had, a, was it his gallbladder? He either had his gallbladder or his appendix out because my brother had the opposite. I think he had his appendix out. My dad did. And my dad is the most straight-laced, 
even kill person you've ever met. I mean, preacher for 40 years. And I remember he he had to put on his hospital gown before he went into surgery, and he folded up his underwear, and he handed them to the nurse, and he goes, I bequeath these to you for <laughs> safekeeping. <laughs> so I wish I had that on video. The, the old preacher man going, I bequeath these for you, to That's you awesome. for safekeeping. <laughs> so if it can happen to the preacher man, it can happen to any of us. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, two weeks later, there I am in the hospital. Yeah. And I was messed up. I mean, oh. my hospital bill was over $800,000. Wow. Because of the injuries that I had. Yeah. So right now, to this day, I have 27 screws, four rods, and four and three plates in my body because of the accident. What hospital were you at? I was at Atlanta Medical. And this was in? 2013. There's a real good chance that my wife was in one of your operations. We'll have to ask her. Okay. There's a Because re- if, if you have screws in your back... There's a real good chance. Not in my back. You don't have any in your back. I have them in both okay. of my legs, my elbow, and my collarbone. So your spine was fine. My spine was fine. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. If, if your back would have been hurt, there's a good chance you would have been in there. Yep. Wow. So 27. 27. I bet a metal detector at the airport, airport's terrible. Well, the good thing with that is that it's all titanium. Uh, so it doesn't trigger anything off. Right. Okay. So, but here I am in the hospital, and I have a cast on my right foot because... Still don't really know why you're there. Still have no idea yeah. why I'm there. So I have a cast on my right foot, and I have... My left elbow is in a brace that won't move. It's an immobile brace. Okay. So my arm is just locked in a 90-degree for I don't know how long. Right. And my left collarbone was all bandaged up as well. So here I am, and I have three of my limbs are completely messed up. And you still don't know why you're there. And I still don't know why I'm there. And what's even worse about that is that because of my head injury, because my head obviously hit the windshield, my head went through the airbag, still hit the windshield. Oh, my goodness. And then snapped me back. And because of the head injury, I lost some use of my right arm. Yeah. It just, it wouldn't work. I I mean, I would want to pick up a pen and write or throw a ball or whatever, but for some reason, it just wouldn't really? work and even to some this kind of nerve thing or yeah. brain thing and even to this day i'm still having problems really? it's it's gotten a lot better yeah and where i work now has definitely helped with that because yeah. it's really kind of retrained my brain a little bit that and probably you're you're using your hands a lot yes more. like and what y'all do like you know it's very minute motor skills yep. like little things yep. so that, that, that i could see i mean it's almost like a physical therapy that yep. makes sense so yeah. there I am in a hospital room, and my parents are there. Yeah. And I'm wondering, why are my parents there? Because my parents my parents retired a, a, a number of years back. Okay. And they now spend all their time living in a motorhome. Okay. Well, they were in Massachusetts when my accident happened. So all of a sudden, I think my parents are in Massachusetts, and I wake up in a hospital, and my parents are here. I'm like, okay, how did that happen? Yeah. Well, here's... Another public service announcement. Right. Anybody out there, if you have, if you don't have a password on your phone, yeah, put a password on your phone. Because if you don't, the cops can use anything on your phone as evidence. Really? Anything. So they were able to look through my phone. Yeah. And one of the first numbers came that came up was for a friend of mine in Colorado. Okay. Well, the police called my friend in Colorado, told them what happened. 
He then proceeded to call my parents and let my parents know what happened. Okay. The hospital then called my parents and informed my parents, you know, right. that we have your son here. Yeah. Nothing's life-threatening, but just want to let you know that he's already had five surgeries and he's going in for his sixth. My parents literally dropped everything. Sure. And came down did. here because they wanted to be right by my oh, side. Of course. Yeah. And I guess, like, after a couple of days of being here, even though I was unconscious, I haven't said a word to anybody. My mom came in, grabbed my hand, leaned down, and said, Hi, Tim. And I guess I looked at her, I sat up, looked at her, said, Hi, Mom. And then I was out again. That's amazing, though. And I guess that just That's made her just buckets oh, just I'm sure. bawling her eyes out. Well, I mean, that just, too, just shows that natural connection between a mm-hmm. mother and a son. Yep. You know, everybody says he's a mama's boy. Every boy's a mama's boy for the most part. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, wow. So that was this one lucid moment that you had. Yep. And then. And then I was out again. Wow. Until I woke up and I was actually. <laughs> Awake, you know, from whatever it was that caused me to be unconscious for as long as it did. Wow. So, and I think the, the time that it really hit me, like, that something serious happened, yeah. was my parents were down there visiting me in the hospital. My dad got a phone call. And all I hear him saying was, hello, Sergeant Harris. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Why is my dad talking to a sheriff? Yeah. Well, it turns out that the accident was my fault because I was obviously driving down the wrong side, you know, right. of the road. You know, granted, it was because of these construction barrels. Right. And I get it. Alcohol in my system that instantly puts me in the wrong. I get that. Sure. But I will to this day, and I will never back down from this, alcohol did not cause my accident. Right. It was the construction barrels and not knowing where I was. Right. Unfortunately, because there is alcohol in my system, yeah. that's kind of what's going to be leading to this whole story. Yeah. Because that's what was the, the root right. cause of everything. Yeah. So I'm in the hospital and it's not easy. You know, all the therapy that I have to do. So yeah. I'm being woken up at seven o'clock every day to go do two hours of therapy, go back into my room, have lunch. Somebody else is coming and getting me for yeah. therapy, you know, because I have three limbs that aren't working that right. have injuries. So there's minimal things I can do because I'm in a cast, I'm in a brace, but at this point, I can't walk. Right. I am literally confined to a wheelchair or a bed. Right. I can't do anything else. I couldn't even shower myself. They had to get somebody from the hospital to get into the shower with me just so I could take a shower. Oh, my gosh. You know, and thank God for a lot of the friends that I have down here that would come down and visit me all the time, you know, and I can sit here and name all these names, but everybody who's listening pretty much knows who they they were that came down to visit me. And I can't even tell people, you know, how much that actually meant to me, Right. you know, that they would take time out of their day. And I know driving in downtown Atlanta is not fun for anybody, right? you know, but they still took the time out and they're still doing it, you know, two times a week three times a week, whenever they can find the time. Right. Whenever they can find 10, 15, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever. Right. Yeah. So I'm in the hospital, and it's getting now to the point, it's like, all right, you know what? I don't want to be in the hospital anymore. Well, no. I'm getting over this stuff. Yeah. But I'm finding out that because my injuries were so bad and the the head injury, they're telling me, well, we're not going to release you to be able to go home right away. If we release you, you then have to go to a rehab center first. Oh, wow. Okay, just tell me what steps I need so just, I can yeah, get home, you yeah, know? Yeah. So, all right, so they went ahead and they arranged for me to 
go to a place called Signature Healthcare in Buckhead. Okay. I was the youngest person there literally <laughs> by 30 years. I believe that. 30 That's years. That's not funny, but it is. It is kind of funny. <laughs> so I'm basically in an old folks home. Yeah. At this point in time, I'm 45 years old, and I'm hanging out with 70 and 80-year-old people. Right. So they put me, and this the, the whole experience at this signature place was just the worst experience I could ever possibly have. Right. You want to talk about somebody not taking care of a patient? That was my experience. Really? It was that bad. Oh, that's... I, obviously, I still couldn't walk at this point. I'm still yeah. confined to my wheelchair. So the nurse tells me, if you need anything, push the button. Okay, well, there's one night I need to go to the bathroom really bad. Right. I'm pushing the button. Five minutes go by. Ten minutes go by. Half an hour goes by. Wow. 45 minutes goes by. No one's coming. I literally had to fall off of my bed and crawl on my elbows down the hallway to go to the bathroom. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, that is unbelievable. I was also there for five days without a shower. Nobody came to give me a shower. Even though I'm mentioning it to every nurse that comes into my room, right? I need a shower, I need a shower. I'm just, for whatever reason, I'm being blown off. You know, it's just, it's not happening. Now, my dad at this point is literally, like, causing hell with everybody in this place. You know, my dad's pretty much on a first-name basis with a director of this, I guess you would call it an old folks home, to make sure that I'm getting the, the care that I need to get. Right. It still wasn't happening. There was a point, literally, I'm like, you know what? I'm calling a cab. I don't care. I'm going home. Yeah. I'm not staying here. Right. So I'm in my wheelchair, and I'm literally rolling out the front door, and the security people for the place had to stop me from going out because I was going home. Yeah. I was done with being treated like that. Right. Yeah, that's terrible. I'm a human being. Yeah, you're a human. And, and yeah, and you're, you're probably still in pain. Absolutely. I mean, you can't take care of yourself, which is frustrating as all get nope. out. Um, yeah, I mean, you're probably still trying to put the pieces together in your head of what all happened. Yep. Wow. That's and the worst part about it was knowing that I had this legal stuff hanging over my head. So even though I'm going through all this and I'm having to relearn how to walk and do re- all this rehab to get myself back in one piece, there's all this legal stuff that's just hanging over there. Right. It's just, it's there. And yeah, I know it's, it's not going away. No, it's not going away. Yeah. You know, this is not one of those things where it's like, okay, well, maybe if I'm in here long enough, maybe they'll just forget, forget about it. it. Yeah. They're not going to it, it. It doesn't work like yeah. that. So finally, the day comes where I get to go home. Hallelujah. I can't yeah. even tell you how happy I am. Oh, I'm sure. Now, this actually goes to a little side story, too, because where I was living, I was living on the second floor in a one bedroom apartment. Well, because I was confined to a wheelchair, I couldn't be on the second floor. Right. The only apartment they had available was a two-bedroom. So while I'm in this rehab place, my parents and a lot of my friends moved my stuff from one apartment to the other for me while I'm going through this. Wow. And luckily for the day, this rehab place let me go home for the day so I could actually be there to 
supervise, I guess, well, would be the best way. Well, tell where you want your stuff. Yeah. You know, I want my chair over here, my right. TV over here. Right, which yeah. was a blessing in disguise because, yeah, I get to see all of my friends and I get to feel like I'm home, yeah. but I couldn't stay there. I know, that's a bummer. Yeah. I still had to go back yeah, to the rehab place. But at least you had that one moment of reprieve. I had that one moment. Of rest. Right. Yeah. So finally, like, they had to send someone out to look at my new apartment and test it to make sure that I can get myself around. Now, at this point in time, I'm only in a, one of those manual wheelchairs, okay. which I can't push myself. Yeah, because one of your arms is still... Well, I have notes from the doctor that I'm not to move either of my legs or my left arm at all. And my insurance company was telling my, my father, well, we're only going to authorize getting him a regular wheelchair. So my father said, so you want him basically to just push himself around in a circle. Because all he has is his right arm. So yeah. all he's going to be doing is pushing that right wheel. And that's going to do nothing but make him go in circles. Right. So after a lot of fighting with my insurance company, they finally authorized to get me one of those powered wheelchairs. Uh-huh. So I had that. Okay. But then this rehab place needed to go into my apartment to make sure that the bathroom doors were wide enough that I could get the electric wheelchair in there. Could I, the electric wheelchair be positioned near the toilet that I could slide it, off a board? Yeah, yeah. I still can't walk. So I had to use a board to slide from the wheelchair over on to the toilet. Wow. I also had to get a shower bench so I could slide over to the shower bench because I had to sit down and take a shower while sure. I'm sitting on the bench. So all of this was finally approved, and thank God, you know, the day finally arrived that I get to go home. Right. I can't tell you how nice that was. Oh, that I can't first even imagine. day that I was home. Yeah. Now, another side note on this is that my accident happened at, like, it was a Friday night is when Chip's band was playing. Okay. Two o'clock in the morning is when my accident happened. Okay. Well, I had a dog at the time, oh, and she yeah. was one year old at the time. Oh, wow. And I had to crate her at the time. Yeah. I left my place at like 7 o'clock that night. Sure. She was in a crate. I didn't come home. Chip Jones, God bless him, realizes that my dog's in the crate. Calls my apartment complex the next morning and says, and explains the story. Yeah. And just says, I just want to get into his apartment to let his dog out. I'm going to take the dog with me. You can lock the place back up again. The lady at the apartment complex said, no, we can't do that till Monday. My dog was literally in a crate from 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturday until 9 o'clock in the morning on Monday. And she held it the entire time. Holy cow. Not one accident. What a dog. What a dog. Wow. But that was also, again, something else that I didn't like that much is that when I finally got home, I couldn't keep the dog. How am I going to take her out to walk her? You can't walk her. Can't feed her. Yeah, I can't, do, can't anything. Really do anything. I'm stuck in a chair. I mean, because you're really at this point, you got one arm that's really working. Yeah, really. and it's not even working right. Right. So, thank God for my friends. My friends Brian and Gina and Chip took my dog for the entire time that I was going through all my rehab process, right. and I can't thank them enough to this day. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's above and beyond. Right. You know, and they trained her too. Yeah. So And she's one of the best dogs now, and it's a lot has to do with them training her while they had her. Right. So that was phenomenal. Yeah. So finally, I'm home. Thank God, you yeah. know. But I, I still think in the back of yeah. my head. There's still that, there's a cloud. There's a cloud out there. There's still. that legal stuff yeah. that's still there. Well, I'm sitting <sighs> in my wheelchair in my apartment. I don't know, 
must have been like four o'clock in the afternoon. Well, there's a knock on my door. Well, my parents are pretty much the only ones that have ever come over to visit me while I'm at this apartment. Friends would come over and visit every now and then, but I didn't have anything planned. So I had no clue who would be at my door. So I can't get up to look through the little hole. So I say, who is it? And all I hear is pizza delivery. Okay. Well, I didn't order a pizza, but I'm thinking maybe they're at the wrong apartment. Right. You know, so I'm just going to see, okay, what apartment are you supposed to have? You know, I can direct them to the right place. Right. Well, I open up the door and it's three Cobb County sheriffs at my door with a warrant for my arrest. Oh, wow. That's not Papa John's. Not Papa John's. So here I am after spending the time in the hospital and in the old folks home and all that stuff. I finally get home and now this is thrown right into my face. Dark cloud started to thunder a little bit. Yes. So I'm freaking out, thinking, well, of course. okay. Why would you not? I'm, I'm being arrested right now. Yeah. There's no one around me. I'm in a wheelchair, and I'm going to jail yeah. right now. Well, the lieutenant, the, the lead guy, said, give me one second. Okay. So the other two guys come into my apartment with a, without a warrant to search my apartment. They have a warrant for my arrest, but they don't have a warrant to search my apartment. Well, I'm in a wheelchair. Well, yeah, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? Yeah. So they're walking around, you know, they're not like snooping through everything, but you can definitely tell they're yeah, looking they're around looking. just yeah. to see what's going on in the yeah. apartment. Well, finally, the lieutenant comes back and he's like, well, obviously you're not a flight risk. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, that's true. I can't even walk. Yeah. He's like, so we're not taking you right now, but you need to turn yourself in whenever you feel that you can actually turn yourself in. Okay. And left it at that. Okay. So... That, out of this entire experience, was the worst, is the anticipation. Oh, yeah, the whole time you're trying to get well, and you know what's coming. I mean, I'm either turning myself in or they're coming to get me, right. one way or the other. Right. Yeah. So that's the worst part about it is is that, yeah, you know, I'm going through all this rehab, and I'm trying to get myself better. Right. But I know I'm going to jail. Like, it's not even a question of, well, maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I can get out of this. Right. No, it's like, uh, at this point, I am trying to literally convince myself, you are going to jail. Yeah. You're trying to come to terms with it. Yes, because I know, I know it's going to happen. Yeah. So finally, I turn myself in. Yeah. I go down to the Cobb County Jail. I actually are you, go. Are you able to walk at this oh, point? Oh, no. Uh, I am still no. in a wheelchair. Okay. okay. So my parents take me down to the jail in my wheelchair. Okay. I turn myself in. They literally handcuffed me to my wheelchair. Where are you going to go? What am I going to do? I'm still in a cast. I still have this brace on my elbow. I can't do anything. Right. But they still handcuffed me to my wheelchair. And I'm there for about, I want to say about six hours. And I had a $25,000 bond put on my case. So for me to get out... I had to come up with 10% of that or right. 2500 bucks. Right. I don't have 2500 bucks. Yeah. So before I even turned myself in, I actually got in, in touch with a lawyer. A friend yeah. of mine referred a lawyer to me. Right. So I hired her, and the lawyer that I had, we went in front of the judge, and thank goodness was able to get a no uh, your own recognizance bond. Okay. So I knew when I was turning myself in that right. I was just turning myself in. I was going through the entire process. Yeah. But they were going to let me right out. Okay. As long as I didn't get in any trouble. Right. They were going to release me on my own. Okay. So thank God. Yeah. But I'm in a wheelchair. So I'm in a holding cell with like 20 other people. Right. And if anybody's ever been in a holding cell, 
you know the kind of people that you're in yeah. there with. Yeah, there's yeah. And I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah. So you want to talk about feeling vulnerable, like you're a target, like something's yeah, going to happen like to you? You're, you're that gazelle with a limpy leg and a. Those six hours felt like sixty. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, it, it, oh, I it's, I can't even explain how ba- yeah. how bad that was, but thank goodness I knew I was going home. Right. And so my parents came back, picked me up. I go home. Now starts the whole thing of now I'm in the system. Okay. So now I know this is really oh, coming. It's real now. It's real, yeah. you know. And what I was charged with, I was charged with drunk driving. Okay. They claimed that I didn't have my headlights on, even though the person that left right after me, uh, right before me. So I was behind a friend of mine. Yeah. And she, to this day, claims that my headlights were on. Right. But they claim my headlights were not on. So they got me for that. They got me for reckless driving, driving on the wrong side of the road. And the big one was serious injury by vehicle because the guy that I was in the accident with also got hurt. Now, I literally took the brunt of what was going on in this accident. He had a few broken bones and he had to have his spleen removed. That's not an easy thing to live with, knowing that there's a person out there that literally had to have an organ removed right. because of something that you did. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's not yeah, that's not an easy thing to live with. Right. So I mean, to this day, I there it's every day I think about that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean I, Yeah. So but thank God it was a spleen. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. You know, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, much worse. And that's kind of what I'm taking out of all of this is that no matter how bad things are, things can always be worse. Oh, man, yeah. That's my, that you know, as the years have gone by, that is definitely my philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it, yeah, it could be worse places to be. There's a, yeah, it can always be worse. And, well, things are going to get worse in no, this they, story. Yeah, yeah. So, I yeah, mean, they're I'm, getting worse. Uh, I'm going to definitely hit rock bottom yeah. here. Um, so, yeah, it's just... Not in a good place. Right. You know, so I got a lot of stuff going on. You know, here I am back in Georgia. All of a sudden, I was here for three weeks. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, I'm in a hospital. I had to pay $5,000 for a lawyer. I got an $800,000 hospital bill. I have a warrant out for my arrest. I just turned myself in. I'm in a wheelchair. I'm in a wheelchair, you know. So, I mean, literally, the weight of the world is just oh, yeah. on it's my shoulders. down on you. The worst thing is, is that because somebody else got hurt, that is a felony. Yeah. And this is where I don't agree with the law. It could literally be if someone has a broken arm, you can be charged a felony, which is serious injury by vehicle. Wow. So I'm talking to my lawyer, and my lawyer is telling me that the maximum sentence for everything I was charged with was 20 years. To be told that you're facing 20 years yeah. in prison. And you were, at what did you say, 45 at the time? I was 45 at the time. So, I mean, you're, th- I mean, 65. Yep. I mean, there is a potential yep. that you come out, uh, you know, knocking on the door being a senior citizen. Yep. So, there were a lot of things with my case that I wasn't very happy about. Yeah. The lawyer that I had is a phenomenal lawyer. Because of her workload, she gave my case to a coworker of hers. I was not happy with the coworker yeah. and what was not done for my case. Right. An example of this. 
my blood was never taken like at the accident scene. Yeah. It was taken at the hospital. I'm unconscious. Well, they need to have you sign a form that says you give consent to have your blood taken. Right. I'm unconscious. Somebody, I have no idea who, forged my signature on a piece of paper to have my blood taken. Wow. That's how they determined that my blood alcohol level was over the legal limit. The, the key thing about having a felony of serious injury by vehicle, you can't have serious injury by vehicle. You can't have a felony charge if there is no DUI. Okay. So and then it's just basically reckless driving, reckless in drive, accident, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. So I'm thinking to myself, well, why aren't we fighting this? Yeah. I didn't give permission. And it's the only evidence they have was my blood alcohol level. Right. That should be thrown out. Yeah. It was never pursued by my lawyer. Wow. And and no explanation why? No explanation. And at this point in time, I, I have to admit, my mind isn't right. Well, you know, I'm still dealing not. with my head injury and yeah. everything else I'm dealing with. I'm not thinking straight. I've never, ever been in trouble a day in my life. Right. All this is brand new to me. Yeah. I have no idea. So I am literally putting my faith in my lawyer. Right. That my lawyer is going to be looking out for me. Yeah. So if my lawyer is telling me or acting like it's not that big of a deal, I'm kind of taking your word on it. Sure. Looking back on it, I wish I didn't. Right. You know, but yeah. it is what it is. You sure. know, I, mean, I, it, I this is where yeah. This is where I wound up. So yeah. I I can't I can't be mad about that anymore. Right. I could be, you could but be. it's not going to do me any yeah, good. Yeah, well, good is it good to hold on to it? Yep. Yeah. I mean, it just it would eat you alive. Yep. I'm sure. I'm sure. So especially he, once we get further into the story. Absolutely. Yeah. So here I am. I'm still going through my rehab. You know, I actually have a home nurse now. At this point in time, yeah. that's coming in, giving me my medication and doing some of my uh, therapy yeah. in my apartment and all that stuff. So I'm going through that. I'm also going to an outpatient uh, rehab place. So I'm doing that as well. But I keep having these calendar calls because I'm in the system. Right. So I have to keep showing up to these court dates every time they have a calendar call. Basically, what a calendar call is, is that the judge lists every case that he has on his docket. And based on when your case came up is what order you are in. Okay. So if you have a low number, if you have a one, two, five, ten, yeah. you're pretty much going in front of the judge that day. Right. The higher the number, the longer you have to wait. Right. Well, when all this started, I was number 147. Oh, wow. So all this is hanging over my head for that long a time. Now, my accident happened on June 1st, 2013. The day that I actually was able to get in front of the judge was April 27th, 2015, almost two years later. Holy cow. That's how long all of this was hanging over my head. And I'm having to prepare myself that I'm going to jail. Yeah. And I'm facing 20 years. Right. Just, I mean, think about that. I, I, I Honestly, I can't fathom that. I don't think anybody can fathom that unless they've been in those shoes. I mean, I could sit here and, with my jaw open because I can understand the, the weight of that, but I can't understand the weight of that. And I don't think anybody can unless you've been. No, you can't. Yeah, I don't think you can. You can't. I, won't, yeah, I, I think it would be wrong to sit here and be like, oh, I, I feel your pain. No, you don't. No. Nope. Unless you've been in my shoes or your shoes. And wow. no, one, no one's been in my shoes. No. No one that no. I know of. No, no one I know. 
has yeah. been in my shoes, yeah. which is why I thought it was important maybe to get this out there yeah. today yeah. and let some people understand exactly right. how serious one decision you make, yeah. how that can affect the rest of your life. The rest of your life. You know, and I guarantee there's not one person listening right now that hasn't gone out to a bar, had a drink, had a couple, had three, you know, whatever, listening to a local musician, oh, I guarantee. you know, just going out for dinner or whatever, yeah. and then thinking nothing of it and driving home. Yeah. That's what I thought that night. Right. This is what happened to me. Right. This is my story. I want to get my story out there because yeah. literally if one person might think twice about what they're going to do in the future yeah. based on what I'm saying today, Right. It, it's worth it to me. Especially in today's world, too. I mean, with Uber and Lyft, and there's no excuse. Even if you are just having the one drink. That's there's it. There's no excuse. No. Just friends, whatever. Just friends, yeah. Call a friend, you know. I mean, you might think that you're perfectly okay to go and drive, but that's not what it means. It doesn't matter. Right. You might think that you're absolutely fine, but yeah. you're over the legal limit. Right. Because literally, like, having two drinks yeah. can put you over the legal limit. Yep. But if you have that in your system, when you have something like this happen, that's the only thing the cops see. Yeah. Is that you had alcohol in your system. Yeah. Nothing else matters. Right. And that's why what happened to me happened to me. It's right. because of the alcohol. My fault, 100%. Right. I'm not putting the blame on anybody else. Right. But to this day, I'm, I'm sticking by this. The alcohol did not cause my accident. Right. It was the construction barrels. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, when these so, calendar calls start. So, yeah, now, so, so you're talking about, we're talking from from the time of your accident till the first time you see the judge is another two years. Yep. And I'm keep going back to these calendar calls, and these calendar calls come up like once a month. Sure. Well, during this entire time, I can't work yeah. because of my injuries. Right. I don't have a car anymore because my car was completely yeah. destroyed. And even if you did, you probably couldn't drive it yet. Right. Now my parents well, were maybe down at some point. You could. Have, my but. parents were down here helping me out. Sure. But they have their own lives. Sure. That they have to live. Yeah. So basically for a year and a half, I was on house arrest. I couldn't leave my apartment. Right. There's nothing I could do. Right. Try living in your apartment for a year and a half, and the highlight of your week is when your father shows up to take you grocery shopping. That was the highlight of my week. Just so you can get out. Just so I can get out. Now, I had my friends, you know, Chip sure. and Brian and all yeah, that. Sure, sure. They would come over and get me. I would go over to their house, spend the night. Yeah. And then when Brian would go to work the next day or Gina would go to work the next yeah. day, they would drive me home. Yeah. So they would, you know, try to get me out of the apartment yeah. every now and then. Yeah. Which was phenomenal, you know. Sure. But still, I mean, 95% of my time, it's just I'm in this apartment. And everything's in my head. Not only, like, everything physically that I'm trying to deal with, but, like, the whole legal thing. And that's what was the biggest part yeah. about all this was having You're home alone legal. during the day, that bad TV. You don't want to watch Judge Judy. Oh, absolutely not. that's just going to make you think more about absolutely. what's going on. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so. Wow. And once a month, you're having to go in front of the judge. Is this the time? Is this the time? Is this the time? And then all of a sudden, you know, you start at 147. Then you're at 120. Then you're at 100. Then you're at 75. Now it's starting to hit home. It's like, like it's we're, getting we're getting close. We're it's getting like this close. crazy, evil countdown. Yep. So all of a sudden I got down. I think it was number nine. And I'm like, you know, this is it. 
Yeah. Like the next time I go, I'm going. And that is the hardest part is to literally like convince yourself that you have to deal with this. Yeah. Find this a way. It's not a dream. Not a dream. Like, you know, you're not waking up tomorrow, you know, and thinking, whew, oh, thank God that was a bad dream. No. Yeah. This is actually happening. Like this this is going to happen. So there I was, and you know, I made myself look nice, you know, yeah. I put a shirt and a tie on, sure. you know. I was there with my parents and some of my friends actually went there, you know, to support me yeah. during the entire process. Now, before this happened, the prosecution came and gave a deal offer to my lawyer. So I was facing 20 years. They offered to cut that in half and do 10 years, but I had to serve two in prison. So I'm asking my lawyer straight up, you know, can we do better than this? And I'm being told by my lawyer, no, this is the best offer you're going to get. So there's nothing we can do about this. We can't fight the blood test or any any of that stuff. We can't do any of that. Right. This is the best offer you're going to get. So they just wanted to take the plea deal. Well, at the, the lawyer that was assigned to me, yeah. yes, wanted to take the plea deal. Right. Well, I didn't feel comfortable with that. So I actually called. Yeah, there's def- that's definitely a time for a second opinion. Well, I talked to the actual <laughs> lawyer that I actually yeah. hired who was yeah. referred to me by a friend, and I asked her, you know, what we could be doing. And she said that we have the option that we could do is that we could sit there and tell the judge we are going to take the plea deal, but we think that the, pre- the plea deal is too harsh. So we're basically throwing ourselves on the mercy of the court. Yeah. So I can go in front of the judge, and the judge can do one of three things. He can either accept what the prosecution offered yeah. and said that's what we're going to do. Okay. Can give me less, or he can give me more. I mean, he could give it all. He could give me the full 20 years. So you're literally playing Russian roulette with 20 years of your life. Yes. I mean, literally. Yes. That's the, but, wow. Okay, continue. Now, I could have pled not guilty and gone through the entire trial process, but now I'm talking to my lawyer, and she's like, well, we're going to have to get expert witnesses and expert people, and we're talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to build your defense. Yeah. I don't have the money. Yeah. Not many people do. I mean, everything that I had went into paying my lawyer, paying my rent at my apartment complex, and I'm not working this entire time. Right. You know, my parents are helping me out as much as they possibly can, but every penny that I saved up is gone at this point. My 401k, gone. Everything that I built up, gone, put into this. And this is two years of being in Georgia. I have nothing. And I'm freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. So do I say not guilty? and try to fight this and don't have the money and try to figure out what the money is, do I plead guilty and just accept the prosecution's uh, plea deal or do I take the plea deal and then tell the judge, mm, I think this is a little too harsh. I, wanna, I want your opinion on what you think. Right. Ooh, that's a tough... I mean, that's... Ooh. I rolled the dice. Did you? I played roulette. I'm I mean, like, that, you know what? Let's go in front of the judge. Yeah, that's tough. I mean... My gut says that's what I would do, too, but, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm not facing that. Well, there's a reason why I did this is because – so the whole time that I'm being charged with all these criminal offenses, I'm also having a civil lawsuit against me from the Uh, guy I was in the accident with. Of course. You know, he's suing me for the accident as well. Right. Now, thank goodness, you know, I had my insurance policy. Yeah. 
which was going to pay out a hundred thousand dollars, right? If I was the cause of any accident, yeah. so I knew that he couldn't come after me. I mean, what is he going to get from me? He's going right. to get nothing. No, he's definitely going after the insurance. He's yeah. going after the insurance. Yeah. But there's nothing that my lawyer wants me to do until the criminal aspect of my case is done with. So his lawyers keep trying to talk to me. My lawyers keep going back and saying, no, we're not talking to you until all this is done. Right. Well, they came to my lawyer and said, okay, how about this? How about we get your client and my client to actually meet for the first time? Maybe start the healing process. And this is how his lawyer phrased it. Start the healing process, and if your client will answer a few questions that we have so we can go ahead and start this civil trial thing, then we'll go to the judge and recommend no jail time. That sounds like a win-win to me. Well, I mean, you know, because the civil lawsuit that they were talking about, though, it wasn't necessarily against me. They were suing the bar I was at that night. Uh, they were going after the bar, and the bar had a million-dollar insurance policy. So he was going after the bar for a million dollars. Oh, my gosh. And that's what they wanted to keep going with. Right. So I'm talking to my lawyer, and my lawyer's like, yeah, that's a great deal. We should do that. Okay. Yeah. So my lawyer set it up that there was a specific day that I was could, could get down to her office. It was going to be me, my lawyers, the guy I was in the accident with, and his lawyers. That's it. In the room. Okay. Now, I'm freaking out at this of time because I'm are. about to go see this guy that, um, you know, how I dramatically just affected his of life. Of course. Yeah. You know, and I know this is all my fault, and I have right. not to this day will I ever tell anybody that it was anybody else's fault. It right. was 100% my fault. Right. And it's not easy to face up to that, to the person oh, no. that you just literally, you know, almost killed. Yeah. Yeah. And to shake his hand and to apologize. So I walked in the room, and it turned out to be a 20-year-old kid. Oh, wow. Really nice kid. He was all right, you know. I shook his hand, you know. I had tears building up in my eyes because how bad I felt. Yeah. You know, so I had a chance to apologize. And to me, that was very therapeutic that I was sure. able to do that, you know. Yeah. Stand up for what I did. Yeah. Admit what I did yeah. to the person that I did it to. Right. And say I'm sorry. And say I'm sorry. Yeah. It was huge for me. Oh, I'm sure. So I did that, and they had a few questions for me. So I told them that I would go ahead and answer their questions. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead and answered their questions. That allowed them to go ahead and get the ball rolling on them suing the place that I was at that night so they can right. go after the million dollars. Well, we get back to when I'm actually getting in front of the judge. He was there, and his mom was there. And whenever something like this happens, they always let the victim speak. Okay. Which obviously, I mean, should be the case. Sure, sure. You know, the guy I was in the accident with didn't want to speak. Mom did. Mom got up there and the first words out of her mouth was, he needs to do some jail time. Even though we had the agreement, that was completely just thrown out the window. And the first words out of her mouth were, he needs to do some, some jail time. After you agreed to do this because yes, the, the polar opposite. Yes. Now the that's another reason came out. That's another reason why I'm a little upset with my lawyer at the time yeah. is because none of that was ever gotten in writing. Mm. 
something like that where there's an yeah, agreement yeah, probably yeah. needs to be put down on paper. Yeah, probably. Just so something like that so doesn't happen. Legal stationery right. might need to be involved in something like that. Right. I'm no lawyer. Right. But so here I am. I'm about to go in front of the judge, you know, and take the plea deal. Yeah. But think that maybe we can get something less than the 10 years served to. Right. Well, I'm there, and his mom speaks. My dad speaks. Good friend of mine speaks. The prosecution says what they want to say. My lawyer says what they want to say. I had a written statement that I thought about for a long time yeah. to read not only to the court, but also to the kid I was in the accident with. Yeah. You know, so I poured my heart and soul out into it. Right. After I'm done, the judge looks at me and goes, you do realize you're not walking out the same door you walked into today, right? Mm. That right there is like... That's oh, heavy, dude. I'm going to jail. Like, from this room... Good Lord, that's heavy. From this room, I'm going to jail. It's the first words he spoke. Yep. So... Obviously, the judge looks at everything, mm. and he's like, okay, I've gotten everything that I need. I think the prosecution's deal is fair. Your sentence is 10 years. You are to serve two in state prison. Not in jail. State prison. The gavel went down. And that's the end of the story. End of the story. I mean, at that point, I'm numb. Well, end of this part of the story. Yeah. I? I, can't, I can't think of anything. I'm... I look up at my lawyer, and she's like, well, you can go with that gentleman over there. He'll take care of you. I'm like, can I say goodbye to my parents and my friends that are sitting right behind me? And she asked the judge if that was okay, and the judge says, yes, that was okay. So I had to turn around, hug my parents, hug my friends, and realize I'm not going to see these people for two years. And don't forget about all my injuries here. Now... I'm not in my wheelchair anymore because I actually went through some pretty intense rehab and I had to go through and learn how to walk, but I have a cane. So I'm dealing with all these injuries. And here I am thinking, I'm going to save prison and I can't even defend myself. I'm dead. I am not going to make it out of this. Right. I'm dead. The judge literally just put down a death sentence. That's what's going through my mind. y'all it was intense so we're gonna leave you right there for today but uh make sure that uh you tune back in next monday we still got about two more hours left in this episode and i am going to give you all two hours next week because it just makes more sense um but i thought that was a good place to uh stop this episode and um we'll pick it up again next monday uh thank y'all so much for listening everybody wherever you are Thank you so much. It means the the whole world to me. And I love doing this podcast. Uh, it's probably my favorite thing that I'm doing right now. And uh, I couldn't do it without y'all. I mean, I'd probably still sit here and talk in this microphone because it's therapeutic. But uh, it means so much that so many of y'all are out there listening. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and make sure you hug your loved ones today. All right? 
But other than that, as always, y'all be nice to one another.